everybody. Welcome to this second episode of Breaking the News. I'm your co-host, Doug McKenty. Uh, I am joined today with Paul at Space Station Earth, as always. And we've got two uh, special guests today, both uh, Joe Atwill, uh, author of Caesar's Messiah, and Ian Davis, uh, who is at uh, InThisTogether.com. He's a journalist. He's written a number of books, uh, and he's written for Off Guardian, uh, as well as a number of other independent news outlets. Um, I've interviewed both uh, Ian and Joe recently here in the last month or so, and uh, so I'm happy to have them together. Um, We were just talking before the show. uh, Both of them are interested in this concept of Socratic dialogue. Ian's just written an essay concerning uh, democracy, going back to this concept of direct democracy, Athenian direct democracy. So maybe that'll be a topic of conversation today, but uh, we're keeping it casual. We're just going to start by going around the table and seeing what's on everybody's mind. uh, And we'll take it from there. We'll see where it goes. Paul, do you want to get started? I know you've, you've written a few notes. Let us know. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I kind of, I've I've been writing notes just about the week's news, really picking out bits and bobs that might come up in. I'm not going to dictate terms with those. I'm just going to use them as a little guidance. If someone brings up something that I've noted, I, I shall note it. Firstly, I'd like to welcome our two guests. I'd like to welcome uh, Ian and Joe, uh, both uh, very good in, the, in their own fields. And uh, I'll, I'll probably bring up something later about uh, your last conversation, Doug, with Ian last week. Uh, so, and because Joe's here and he's been dealing with religion, I think we'll talk about that a little bit later. Yeah. I'll try and, I'll try and, I'll try and get it in there somehow. But so uh, let's, I don't know, let's start, start with what really what we've been uh, we've been seeing over the week really because it's all about sort of looking at what's going on in the world and trying to make sense of it it's not really about breaking down the news as such but everything's uh media now i mean we're sitting here and talking to each other and i would much rather uh, prefer to be around the table physically with all you guys and just say hello you know and just because <laughs> this I, i'm still getting used to it to be honest and uh, right you know, but, we're all media now. We're, we've all become media. So, I mean, breaking it all down, really, breaking down what uh, what this reality is starting to become for a lot of people as an everyday occurrence. You know, so that's the philosophy behind what I think, what I was trying to say with break the news. It's kind of like now we're all becoming media. It's, uh, we, you know, we're kind of breaking down how we consume it, how we look at it, how we exist in it. You know, it's uh, it's an interesting one. So, uh, right, yeah. open it up. Let's go. Cool. Yeah, Joe, our last conversation, we talked a little bit about the importance of the independent media. Actually, you were talking about how we are we are the actual legitimate government. I thought that was uh, I appreciated that compliment. I'm doing what I can. But I I think it's actually really true with the level of corruption that we're seeing. Uh, How can we legitimize what these guys are doing these days? Uh, And so those of us sitting here on Zoom having these conversations, maybe we're the ones really trying to uh, to help move the people forward best we can. So, uh, Joe, you want to comment on that and and just uh, tell us what's on your mind? I mean, um, we are the legitimate government. Uh, The first sort of platform of understanding, you know, what is happening and uh, Paul alluded to the, this kind of uh, bigger concept is um, that the governments are uh, fake. They they do not disclose the individuals who are in control have not disclosed to the people um, their real agenda. They are they are liars. They are actors. I call them lifetime actors. Yeah. Um, and so the public we see these these characters, these historical events that they orchestrate, but we don't get to um, actually participate in, you know, uh, in, in the real 
kind of structure of of what is behind them. We don't get to, we don't we don't get shown this. I mean, I would say nine one one is a really good example, right? The entire political class was operating in a theatrical way. It was all lies and nonsense. Anyone who who's gone through the uh, you know the physics of the collapse of the buildings know that that these things were brought down by controlled demolition. It wasn't uh, you know a, a jet plane or something. So the government is fake. Um, now this has been an unfortunate condition, in my opinion, for thousands of years. If you've read my book Caesar's Messiah or even familiar with it, you'll know that I was very skeptical about Christianity. I think that that was uh, just a a primitive version of the kind of uh, mind control technology that goes on today. And I think that um, uh, the oligarchs have, you know, created a system wherein um, they're able to control us uh, by using these fake identities. And so it makes like the current situation, the tragic, the, the two things which are so tragic. One is the the vaccine rollout, which I think is basically a genocide program, um, it makes it very hard for the public to understand that it is so lethal because there's all this confusion about the motivations of the people who are bringing it to us. And then the other thing which is occurring is, of course, the Ukrainian um, war, so-called, with the, the sanctions. And as I see it, you know, we are the victims of a very long and broad theatrical uh, propaganda piece wherein the COVID scared us, so we took the vaccines, and now the Ukrainian war provides a rationale for, um, you know, uh, uh, food shortages, energy shortages, and a currency destruction. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I spent, like this last week, I spent most of it reading Ian's um, uh, reporting on the history and the current situation. And I highly recommend that to anyone listening. Uh, I hope you give links to those articles because those are really good places to start kind of understanding um, just the, uh, you know, the platform that, that the oligarchs are currently working off of. I, I was gonna mention just one last thing, sorry to be long-winded, is just that, you know, people are sort of, con I mean, <laughs> in this world, it's sort of hard to deal with people who, who still believe in the normal history, you know, the history that they've been given. It's very difficult. Um, and um, I, I, I would say that uh, Ian referenced uh, the taped conversation, um, one between uh, Newland and uh, some other, you know, government apparatchik. Yeah, and, and Ashton's conversation, there was two conversations that were both recorded, which both show without a doubt that the U.S. was orchestrating the overthrow of, uh, of, the, of the, what was the most legitimate Ukrainian government. Um, I would just, again, just reference Ian's articles and, uh, and just say that if, you, if someone doesn't, doesn't have that as an understanding, you, you just cannot ever make any sense out of what we're experiencing right now. Right, which is which is to say the sanctions. You cannot see how artificial they are. You can't see how artificial the war is, right? But if you look at that as a platform, you can see that there is just so much lying going on, and that the governments are so um, uh, so much consisting of of actors, people who are just telling the public that this and that, and this person is bad, that person is good. Um, 
it's, you know, Ian, I was going to ask you, it's such a mess right now. It's really hard for a person, you know, to even get make sense out of the Ukrainian thing. I, I think that you can't really start to understand this, um, you know, without the idea that, that, that it is orchestrated, that it's theatrical, that this is being done for a purpose other than just Russia and the, in the NATO having some kind of territorial battle. And, and I think that, um, you know, it's so dangerous that we are in such a dangerous time because when you look at the potential food shortages that are being created, uh, when you look at the energy that, that we're going to not have in the coming winter, and then you look at what this could all do, this process could all do to our currency. Well, suddenly understanding Ukraine is virtually critical for for someone who wants to be like a, a you know a citizen in this world so um anyway sorry to be long-winded but i want and i just want to say that's my understanding you know doug asked me you know what was on my mind um and i wanted i just wanted to thank you ian um for writing those articles and the work you did to to produce a really good scholarship oh thank you very much it's very kind of you coming from you that's that's uh, really good yeah i mean i i, I didn't know how to approach Ukraine when the whole when the whole thing first started? I, you know, I mean, I'm you know, I'm no more uh, knowledgeable about Ukraine when it started than than the average Joe average. You know, I mean, I, I you know, I mean, I had a bit of a, a bit of an understanding of what happened with the Euro Maidan coup and so forth. Well, for example, I thought it was a coup rather than <laughs> rather than a re- rather than a revolution of dignity. You know, right? But um, but. But yeah, I mean, I had to. I think, I think, with anything like this, in order to start to get a kind of handle on on where we are now, we've got to look at history. We've got we've got to look at the history, and we've got to look at. I mean, in the, in the you know, and and those articles that I wrote. I mean, I started going back to the to the you know Second World War and pre, well, even earlier, going going back to the First World War and you know the, the Ukrainian history, because. Unless we've got a grasp of that, I mean, how can we possibly understand where we are today and how how situations have come to come to pass today? Unless we kind of work through, you know, the the, the forces that have led us to this point. And I, I was really interested in what you said, Joe, about this this kind of you know malaise that we've got in 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 almost kind of like every aspect of of every narrative that gets forced our way and i and the problem one of the things we were we were talking doug earlier about a, a ridiculous story that came out in the in the telegraph where where uh, or it might have been the times where prince charles is advocating that cows wear masks to stop <laughs> to, to, to stop cows right warming the planet up with their burps Right, so so I mean, I would argue if that's his, if that's what he's kind of pursuing, the the mask is on the wrong end. But but nonetheless, <laughs> the, the, the point is though that, that that is reported, that is reported in you know a broad a, 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 a so called respectable broadsheet newspaper in the UK, and people, what? How do people respond to something like that? It, 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 you know, 
logically, logically, you would look at that and laugh. I mean, it's just patently absurd. But people don't. People don't because they because they are they are ensconced in this this these fairy tales, these yeah. narrative these narratives that are created, and people are so immersed in them that they can't see the you know pro, the the preposterous for being preposterous. They mm. they can't see it, and that I think is the real problem that we've got with something like Ukraine because. Some of the things that have been reported have just been ludicrous, haven't they? I mean, the, the BBC was showing. <laughs> I mean, you have to laugh. It's not. I mean, this is the problem, isn't it? It's not a laughing matter because people are dying. But, mm. but nonetheless, you know, the, the BBC showed it, did a report where they showed a woman st- stood in her front garden, supposedly with a missile <laughs> sticking out of, <laughs> sticking literally sticking out of her lawn. <laughs> Uh, you know, this this missile, I mean, it was just, I mean, 600 mile an hour metal object that's made a hole, you know, it's just perfectly planted in a lawn, right. like, a, like, a, like a branch <laughs> sticking out of a tree. I mean, it was just, it was just crazy. So you look at that and you think, obviously, that's insane. Obviously, that's made up. Obviously, that's propaganda, right? We don't, you don't need to go into any kind of deep analysis right. to figure that out. It's it's absurd. And yeah. yet, and yet, it is all over the news. It's been reported. This woman has been, this woman's been interviewed. Now, I guess that she probably is, you know, genuinely frightened and genuinely concerned about her situation and worried about, but no way, you know, so they, but they back it up with ridiculous propaganda, and and the problem is, I I think you know that we have lost as a as a you know as a as a species, maybe generally we have lost not not the ability to think critically, but but the but the the automatic reaction that that should be that should be our automatic response to. Any information that we receive, but it isn't. It isn't our automatic response, or not for for for. I think for a vast majority, it's not an automatic response. Yeah. They just absorb whatever yeah. comes their way, yeah. and without without any reflection. And it doesn't seem to be any cut off between sort of like reality and digital. Like I'm saying, we're living in this digital world now, and we've, we're forced into having to talk like this. I mean, geographically, we're forced by it, but but during COVID, and still, at really, this is now become normalised and um, like you say uh, how many people have got any experience about having that sort of thing happen I mean maybe some older people from Northern Ireland might have, have memories of what it's like to have people on the troops in the streets all the time and especially in the UK's point of view and you've got sort of like um, people in Yugoslavia have been saying a lot about what's happening in Ukraine and actually very vocal that Bosnia etc are vocal about the, the, the press coming out but it's been really kind of that, that's been put out of the news a little bit because their reaction's been, oh, same playbook, yeah, we can see all the stories, we know what they're doing, right? Which which actually made me look at some of the old reports from 1998, et cetera, like that really great sort of stuff about spin and the, some of the stories were coming out, you know, and, and also there's the 9-11 element to it as well because, I mean, when that happened, right, and we were shown the, the made-for-TV movie, what I like to call it, um, we, who, who has ever seen a plane hit a building? 
Yeah. <laughs> so, so what's it supposed to look like? Like right. nobody, nobody has any reference points except Die Hard and things like that. So basically, like if we live in this made-for-TV movie, they kind of can set these up really easily. They can set this, this the scenes up because nobody has any real experience. Um, in terms of like digital media now, it, it is very easy to just set up these scenarios and plant things and make it look like things have happened and just yeah. and just pump out the headlines. You know, <laughs> it's just crazy. Well, and people you know? believe it automatically. I mean, like they 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 can they can make this movie. It really is wag the dog. I mean, this is what's yeah. been. It's actually been bothering me lately more than than ever. I mean, for some reason, like when COVID was happening, it 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 made more sense to me than now the way that it's shifted to Ukraine. I mean, the, the dramatic shift in the news cycle that was just COVID, COVID, COVID now Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine. And to me, it's so obvious that they can just overwhelm the airwaves with whatever information they want to be on everybody's mind. And then that's what everybody's talking about. And they can essentially fabricate the narrative uh, you're not allowed to disagree the, with the narrative without being called a conspiracy theorist or a whack job or a crazy person or whatever it is. Um, and it's it's but it's literally depressing to see people so fully controlled by a lot of these insane stories that don't make any sense. And yet uh, the uh, the brainwashing appears to be so complete. I mean, what we got in the United States and I see it all over the place is that Russia was totally unprovoked in going into Ukraine, totally unprovoked. Uh, it's just an expansionist. You know, Putin is an evil dictator who wants to take over other countries because he wants to build a Russian empire. And like, um, you know, like you're talking about, Ian, that is totally unrelated with any of the history. In order to believe that, you have to know nothing about the history of the Ukraine. Uh, and yet almost nobody does. And so they just hear this totally unprovoked line. And they fall for it, hook, line, and sinker. And now it's just all over the place. It's ubiquitous. It's it's the conversation. And if you disagree with it, then you're spreading Russian disinformation. Um, it's yeah. a, it's really challenging to try to figure out how to overcome this hump. I mean, it's it's this psychological war, and they are masters of it. Like in Joe's work, they've been doing this for thousands of years. I mean, they've perfected yeah, it. Yeah. And I mean, I'm looking at it now like. The TV, I start when I'm watching TV, I'm wondering how hypnotized, you know, is it just hypnotizing me so that I'm just becoming a zombie and I'm paying attention? I listen to NPR and I hear the, you know, boom, 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 boom. And I'm like, is there something going on in my mind that's automatically triggering me to just believe everything that they say? Because it's, um, I mean, they've clearly researched all of this, mind control and yeah. propaganda and they're masters at it and it works like a charm and that's that's it's just starting to be really frustrating it's just a bummer it's a bummer for me because i'd like to have i'm not even trying to say my point of view is right i want to have de debate interesting conversation critical conversations about the world that's going on around me and it's almost impossible to do because people are just like controlled by the dominant narrative it's outrageous yeah. Yeah, I, I wonder, you know, what you were saying there in terms of, in terms of, you know, sitting there and kind of with this sort of stupefied glaze that comes across your face. Everybody, you know, me included, everyone when we're watching TV or anything like that. It, but it doesn't work in your case, does it? Right. So, it, yeah. it, so why doesn't it work in your case? Why, why does it work? Why does it work in so many people's? I mean, I've, I've thought about this a lot, and I can't. You know, I, I know that if I, you know, just talking about 
you know the people that that I live with and the, and my family and, and friends and they all you know they're all intelligent people you know they're all they're all people who think about the world and think about think about their you know no they're, they're not just obsessed with like the football and the and the you know what they're going to have for dinner you know they they think about things quite a lot and yet I think I think the thing is 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 if they're told so, and I think this is particularly powerful in the West, it is this idea that we've got this pluralist free media, and therefore, if 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 they tell you something, yeah, you can take it with a pinch of salt, but there's a fundamental element of truth there. So they they wouldn't they wouldn't just lie, you know that 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 there is there is something true to what they're saying. Yeah. So to try and point out that no, this is completely fabricated. This is this is this is total nonsense. That that the underpinning narrative is false. <laughs> it's not yeah. true. That is, I think, the stumbling block. And it's I think funny, isn't it, Ian, Ian, it's funny about sort of like when you've got something like COVID or 9-11 or Syria or Iraq, right? How the Lady Diana dying in the Pontlew Bridge. Uh, became actually quite a sort of well-talked-about conspiracy theory. A lot of people, you talk around the pubs, and they go, oh, yeah, that looks really dodgy, that That's really dodgy. Yeah, right, they'll they believe some, they but not others. Diana up to be such a hero, and such a sort of like, you know, the people's princess. And it's really odd. If they build someone up and suddenly there's a conspiracy, that's all right, because the media sort of approve the question in it in that way. So, but she, know. but she was, but also, I think the interesting thing there, and it with Diana, because Diana was like a kind of um, a victim figure, wasn't she? Yeah, yeah, she was. She was pursued, and she was the the princess of the people. Yeah, and was pursued by the media. They were the enemy. Yeah, in in her oh, na- so in the narrative they yeah. built. Yeah, and that's right because they built up this narrative where it was the press, wasn't it, and the drunken yeah. driver and all of this. And then the other, there's another side to it where it's like all oh, evil Prince Philip didn't want, uh, 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 you know, people marrying into the family, you know, in a racist, yeah. empirical, colonial way, and all of this sort of thing. And actually, I think there's a lot to a lot to that story. Um, it was a, it was a soap opera. Yeah, I mean, it was a very dramatic and and hard to turn away from soap opera, and as such, it was just very cleverly designed as a distraction and also as a way to debase our thinking. Um, now, I, I think that, you know, getting to Doug's point about the difficulty that we have in communicating, I mean, one thing we have to re- always remember is that we have been the victim collectively of a very well-designed science. Um, you know, you, you have the idea of like mind control by the oligarchs being an ancient form, but it became much perfected in the 60s with MK Ultra. Yeah. Now this comes right from you know the uh, the Macy conference where Norbert Wiener uh, was talking about how programmable humans are. You have this idea of cybernetics. The term actually means programming humans for a particular purpose, and then from there, these same individuals move forward into, into this MK Ultra project where they spent years with a very precise um, kind of focus on learning how to control, particularly using the media, using television, using the different uh, drugs, you know, the things we're we're subjected to now. So 
you know, just as an example of how insidious it is, look at the zombie movies. Mm. Now they're everywhere. Now this is not a theme that mankind needs to pay attention to, but it does set us up to uh, accept as normal uh, very ill people with, you know, disfiguring kind of elements, which I think we could actually see going forward, right? I mean, if you if you think of where we could be, worst case, a year from now, uh, with, uh, you know, bioweapons that, that are engaged with uh, the vaccine that is inside all these billions of people, um, with food shortages, I mean, it's a zombie movie. So these things are, are set up so that we don't think clearly. You, you think about the idea of like a missile sitting in a lawn, right? It's impossible. It defies physics. But that's the purpose. This is breaking down our ability to be able to think clearly. Um, the, the good news is, and, and uh, Doug and I talked about this, is that once someone becomes skeptical, once someone just says, you know, I think it may be a lie. I think it may be propaganda. The mind, the human mind is, is, I mean, not that I actually understand it, but I have seen this so many times that I can report it as a phenomena. Once someone just becomes skeptical, they never go back. They, I have never seen someone come into the light yeah. and then say, you know, I, I'm starting to think that the mainstream narrative makes a lot of sense. I'm going to forget about it. This <laughs> never, ever, ever happened. Never. <laughs> Once someone just makes that step into go, you know, gee, the buildings sure seem artificially, you know, coming down. Once they just go that far, they are protected. There's a kind of aura, which really is simply the power of the human mind. They have worked for thousands of years to make sure that the power of our minds is never used for our own benefit. You see, yeah. if we have skepticism, we, we, we are so hard to program. Um, and the good news is, um, if you look at the, the legacy media's collapse now, it's collapsing in terms of subscribers, but also in terms of the people who actually believe in it. Um, I, I've, I've been saying over and over again, even though the things look horrible at the moment, the reason I think they actually rushed out the uh, the COVID business and now the uh, the food shortages is because the mainstream media is not because it's it's not doing its job. It's because it's too successful. They can see this. They they can actually understand that if this keeps going, if shows like this, if conversations like we have even though only a few hundred or a thousand people watch these, if these things keep going for the next decade, believe me, the, the, the power of propaganda, which requires trust, mm. will be gone. Mm -hmm. And then there will be a new political system set up that is based on the idea of like trying to have politics benefit us rather than just be a theatrical production to enslave us, to destroy us, you see. so. Um, that, you know, this is why I, I, I really try to, whenever I'm on these shows, I just try to encourage um, everyone to just drive as hard as you can because we are really having a powerful effect. Yeah, I mean, the, the, it's, it's interesting that you say that because in 2010, the British government put out a document, I don't know whether you've seen it, called Mindspace. Right, and, and this, was, this, was, this was from uh, what, they were called, what they called then the nudge unit 
or the nudge unit has gone on to be yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right, the nudge unit. <laughs> so so what, what they spoke about and what they were proposing were what they called situated decision makers. So the idea was to frame the situation in which people make decisions. So rather than trying to control them directly, you would create a scenario which only gives the, 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 the situated decision maker who's put in that position limited options. Every single one of those options is what you want. You don't care which one, you don't right. care which one they go for, you just want yeah. them to pick one. Yeah. And that and that they abused that. And then that fed into the, the scientific advisory group in emergencies in the UK that, that um advised the government who worked with some of the same people, because they, they farmed off the nudge unit and made it into a, um, you know, a sort of semi-private enterprise that's selling this, selling this approach to behavioural control all over the world. Governments everywhere, the US bought into it, the Canadians, everybody. And, they, and the French were very much involved with it as well. The whole thing started with it. It was a kind of a, an Anglo sort of French thing when it, when it started. But they, but but with this idea of situate pe- putting these people into these situations, they actually said in the document that they wanted to stop people being autonomous decision makers. <laughs> this, you know, this is this is government policy yeah. to stop effectively to stop people being autonomous decision makers. Right convert them into situated decision makers and we control the situation and then sage the same people that went that were in that in that nudge unit that went on to form the behavioral insights team they were the people who were in the spy b which was the behavioral insights team that was advising part of sage it's the same people mm. so so the, these people were running the covid Information infodemic, anti infodemic campaign. It's the same people. It's crazy, isn't it? Uh, well, Ian, look, as well, look that at that model. Look, look at sorry, Facebook. I'm sorry. Look at Facebook and Google. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're nudging. They're nudging. I was going to oh, say. Uh, I was just going to say. Actually, uh, that model with a spy B. It seems to be sort of like the shaping. If you take that sort of the very same model as the young global shapers from the WEF. And what they're doing in terms of leadership, in terms of sort of countries worldwide, it seems yeah. to be the same model, sort of implanted yeah. onto everything. So, sort of like we want the British public to, or, or public to think this and behave this way, but also you've got from another top, up, up, top down level, you've got the WF saying we want our young global leaders to do this and we want our politicians to think this as well. So, it's like it's, it's a complete cultic control of how yeah. people use and choose the way that they. Uh, consciously use information well and what boggles my mind what boggles my mind is how many people are working on these things in the government (laughs) knowing what they're doing i mean as we were talking i was thinking about um like the work of bf skinner in the 50s he calls it operant behavioral conditioning Mm -hmm. and when a person i think like any of us would hear even that phrase we'd be like that sounds horrific. Why would I want to control somebody else's mind using a, a behavioral conditioning technique? And yet, uh, you know, 
hundreds of thousands of people, people in the government, people in the education system thought, oh, this is great. You know, we can we can apply this to public schools and we can behaviorally control the five and six and seven year old kids. And that's one of the one of the uh, one of the actual sort of crutches of that and the cult of control is. And Joe probably say that the beginnings of this come through the idea of belief and Godheads and theology. But it's also the idea of addiction as well. It's the idea of like they create the substances or or promulgate the addiction in order to dehumanise someone and then rehumanise them out of it. And every cult, if you look at the cult awareness network before they yeah. got bought over by Scientology, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, would say that that was the cultic uh, conditioning. And it's called it's called patterning and depatterning, and it's uh, it's cultic control. You know, and it actually goes back into messianic and, and the idea of delivering false prophecy and religion. You know, and, and Joe probably gives us a bit of information about that and how far it goes back. Because if you look at the sort of the structure of the way I suppose some of us conspiracy theories think about Masonics and about um, the, the hierarchy of royalty and the hierarchy of the rule of God and the bloodlines of God and the blood, etc. All of these ideas are about the power of, of the Godhead becoming the power of the leader becoming yeah. the feudal king, becoming then the, the prime minister or the queen or head of state. And so you have this, and this is what I wanted to get into, because Ian was talking with you, Doug, earlier this week about the idea of democracy coming from ancient, there's some great ideas about how to perhaps like perceive how democracy could go by using ancient Athens as a, as a, as a template, but also sort of like, you know, they had a kind of multi um, theological way of looking at things with many gods and then it worked into a monotheological sense of it i'm wondering whether like you know maybe joe can add to this about the idea of the cultic control of society coming from the godhead you know and christianity taking over from paganism yeah i mean i i would just say that's what happened um at some point the oligarchs um were able to create a kind of psychological control and they could see that they could um, ossify and also delineate. They they could keep people enslaved and accepting much less, and that this would, on the other side, give them a much greater power and and access to uh, all of the the pleasures and uh, and good things in the world. So, um, but I just think in our present time, the 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 key understanding is that. It is that the governments are unified and they're unified as a secret society against the public. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about, you know, WEF, um, obviously all these leaders come through there. You know, you look at the background of the thing and Klaus Schwab and his relationship to Kissinger. You're you're just looking at what I would say is a I call it Judeo-Masonic. That's that is the term I use. Um, you have a, a huge fraction of the of the individuals in the in the, the secret society are Jews, and it's easy to understand perhaps their, you know, how how they would operate, kind of like Deuteronomy, uh, and as far as being a chosen people, and this would create a moral structure for them. But on the same time, this would be a small fraction of Jews. You see, this would not just be like, you know, you wouldn't uh, uh, cast dispersion on Italians because of the mafia. Right. So this is but but ethnic identity would be a centrifugal element in the secrecy, because remember what the defining element is secrecy. And this is where, you know, you get into the Masonic side, uh, which goes around the entire world. 
Um, and, and of course, no one really knows what's at the very top of the thing. Mm-hmm. But I would just on just based on the behavior, I would say it's absolutely nihilistic. There, there is there is a uh, 100% capacity to kill everyone who stands in their way. I mean, look what's going on now with with COVID and and with these you know the the looming food shortages. So we have the moral perspective of our leaders um, as a secret society, which feels justified in massive population reduction for their benefit. And this is the process that we're in right now. This mm. is this is what every day is like for all of us is we're being genocided and those of us who live they're going to try to have massive psychic control over i mean if you look at the transgender movement this is obviously artificial this is obviously you know what they would try to create and again you look at the transgender it's it's sort of like um the covid thing uh, ian was mentioning you know there was no cost benefit analysis done at the beginning of the epidemic and the lockdown that should have tried to give us some understanding of where all this was going to go. Um, with transgenders, you get you get no discussion of, well, to what extent are they victims of toxicity? To what extent do, they, mm-hmm. do the males have like almost no sperm? Do, to what extent are mm-hmm. there estrogen mimicry in their blood from, you see, so that's how you know it's plastics. The, the obvious conversation that should occur at the beginning of any kind of in, in social response to transgenderism isn't happening. Therefore, we could be absolutely certain that there's malevolence in back of it, that they're using mind control, and that we can see the kind of future they have in mind for the humanity that, that will be left. I mean, Aldous Huxley in Brave New World, which was not some kind of a warning, but rather uh, a Masonic, um, yeah. you know, kind of, kind of uh, uh, self-congratulations as to the world they were going to create, it it gives you the blueprint. You know, do you, you have. It was an extension of. Uh, do you think it was an extension of H.G. Wells' open conspiracy, etc.? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he was yeah. he was like, he was doing the same thing. In other words, with Huxley, you have interviews where he's talking about, oh, we're really worried about how the government's going to get uh, uh, like technology for mind control. This we have to be afraid of this. But then. Once the letters of uh, MK Ultra were, were found, he's actually organizing the thing and giving instructions to Jolly West on how to use LSD in these experiments yeah. for the yeah. purpose of creating government control. So he's, a, he's what I call a lifetime actor. They're all like this. The whole the media doesn't let, in general, people yeah. get in positions of of prominence from where they could have influence if they aren't inside the club. Yeah, this is yeah. this is what we're yeah. facing is these lifetime actors that, um, you know, give us movies, news stories. And of course, now, you know, wars, the epidemics. But there is planning in back of all this. It's it's wonderful that the, the independent media is kind of like a hive mind. There's so many of us with who know so many different little things that when we come together, we can easily yeah. break apart the propaganda, the sophistry. And like I like I'm saying, um, you know, because I'm so old, uh, I have like a real perspective, you know, on all this. And I'm just telling you, uh, like 50 years ago, if they had rolled out the vaccine, they would have killed every human on the planet because yeah. no one would have said no. But today, mm-hmm. really, I think in most of the countries, at least 30, 40 percent just said no. And that is an achievement of us. 
That is our achievement because there would not have been the skepticism. And so they're using, they created the internet as the last block of the, of the ceiling off of our minds. Once they got that television slipped into our pocket, they thought they could just control us like, you know, operant conditioned rats, you know? Yeah, I'd say that's very interesting, Joe, that the sort of change between sort of what television from cinema to television, from broadcasting to internet, which has become far more individualized. It's not shared. It's not a shared experience anymore, is it, television, really? And it's mostly all people are split up into their little rooms, aren't they? Watching what they want to watch, not sharing. You break up the narrative. Yeah. You read Ian's historical, you know, like understanding of the Ukraine. You you cannot read. I, I spent the week reading Ian's stuff. Absolutely brilliant stuff. Love those articles. But you Great. can't Thank read you. them and at the end of it, not look at, then, then turn on the TV and have them explain what's going on in the Ukraine and not go, this is just total BS. <laughs> it's garbage. <laughs> they just plain do bad work, don't they? I mean, that's what's I mean, so yeah, amazing. I go, at it. Like, it's like, you go, wait a second, where is Ian? How come he's not on the TV? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, with sources. Can you imagine it? Can you imagine <laughs> it? It's brilliant. There. It'd be brilliant. We'd all be cheering you on, mate. We'd all be cheering you on. I, I wouldn't get out of the studio. I'd get lynched tonight if I went out or something. Well, we'd be watching. If you go on there, we'd be looking at your eyes to see if they've been glazed over and whether there's a funny looking car across the front yeah. of your head. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, no, I mean, I, I, do you know what? I mean, I think that you're right. When you look at this information, it's not just, you know, my work, but looking at other other people's work, there's plenty of people out there kind of trying to, as you say, sort of trying to pull, pulling this apart with the evidence. And I think that's the thing that we need to, to keep. There's the thing that I keep banging on about. And I'm a bit of a sort of one trick pony in that, in that sense. It's the evidence. Just look at the evidence. Just, just engage, engage your mind and look at the evidence because we're all capable of it, and I, you know, and I know that they are trying to drum it out of us. With and I, I was very interested, Paul, in what you're saying about because there's there's a tra- there's a, uh, 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 a transition there that's going on, isn't there? Because I remember when I was a kid, right? So say we with the big sport final in the UK is the FA Cup final, or it used to be. It used to be a family event, the, the yeah. FA Cup final, all day. All day, it was on all day. Yeah. You, you, Mum, grandma, everyone, they'd yeah. all gather together and you'd all watch the FA Cup final. Then it'd yeah. build up to it and then you'd all watch it and you'd all have drinks and nibbles and all that sort of stuff. It was a big thing. That's died a death. And and as it's died a death, the actual sporting spectacle has died a death as well because the people aren't engaged in it. People aren't kind of like not, well, what happened? Who won? But that's about it. They're not really interested anymore. They're not living that shared experience anymore. They're not talking about it down the pub. What a big thing with with lockdowns, isn't it? Get rid of pubs. What's the first thing they closed with the pub? Right. Uh, Of course they closed the pubs because they don't want us to get together. They don't want us to, to, to talk. They don't want us to share ideas. So mm-hmm. then they, they're moving us with the internet onto these little, as you were saying, these little handheld devices. To, so that's one step away. And now and now, what's happening, the people that are tweeting away on Twitter on their handheld devices are now sort of celebrating the fact 
that it's just been bought out by a guy who wants to stick a chip in their brain. Yeah, I think we have to talk about this, don't we? A little bit. Yes, we do. We do. It's crazy. I mean, the Elon Musk thing is crazy. I, somebody brought up, and I and I just like his companies are called Starlink and Neuralink. And let's ask ourselves, what is he linking Link. together? And like, yeah. it's like. The full talk about full spectrum dominance. I mean, and then yeah. this is the guy we're supposed to trust with our freedom of speech. Now it's uh, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, the, the example isn't it is Sweden or Estonia. You know, if you look at you look there, the way that they sold them the idea of having these personal chips, in, you know, injected into their injected into their hands, was always for their. You know, it's always for the for the user oh it's so easy it's so right. convenient it's so helpful it's it, it will assist you but it's a it's a continual process of dehumanization as yeah. you know changing someone i mean the whole transgender thing is so obviously about transhumanism isn't it yeah but, but only if you understand that that agenda exists mm, so people yeah, right people like and, us that are trying to say that agenda exists we're the idiots. Yeah, and if you don't, yeah. and then you sound like you're anti-transgender or something. If people don't understand the context within transhumanism, then you get accused of hate speech, and then these are the excuses they use to censor us on Twitter, right? I mean, no, like, they always use the same technique, and you always have to be able to identify. It. They want to to make the argument um, about the moral rights of the victim. And and if mm. and if they can make that the the structure of the debate, then you, they 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 put someone who wants to like have a Socratic kind of a kind of process about transgenderism. Mm -hmm. um, they put them in, in an impossible situation. So what I always recommend is is take the initiative immediately and just say, I don't I'm not interested in just in talking about the moral circumstance of an of one person or even a group of people in our society. I want to talk about, is there a deliberate attack on humanity to ruin our sexuality for the purpose of control? I want to know, I want to talk about if the people who are pushing this agenda are malevolent. Yeah. You see, let's, let's talk about that because there hasn't been much discussion in uh, like how, how like males have lost 60% of their sperm in the last 50 years and how this might be the part, a part of of why the psychologies are changing too. So this is the thing, and you have to do it, I mean, any, I mean, it's like anti-Semitism is often hurled against people who want to talk about um, undemocratic power of Jewish banking families, right? Right. And, and if they're able to structure the debate like that, um, well, fine, then, then you know, then, then uh, you, you, you can't, uh, their the propaganda will succeed. So you just have to say, I'm sorry, um, that isn't the subject. This is not the subject. If you want to talk about that, Go talk with someone else. I want to talk about the facts that possibly lead to malevolence. I want to talk about what can be an attack on humanity in a general sense. I want to talk about things which are undemocratic. You see, yeah. this is this is this is what and and it's one of the the mind control stuff that they've done is they have intimidated us. Yeah. There's so many things which intimidate yeah. us that make it hard. You know, they go, "Oh my God, it's, it's calling." anti-trans, you know, GBTL, anti-Semitic, yeah. anti-feminism. I mean, they just, uh, and, and like the woke consciousness thing, you know, with uh, Black Lives Matter, again, these are 
all of these things are interesting and real kind of you know structures of that that can be uh, defended and and talked about, but they can also be used to shatter clear-mindedness, you know, and that's really how they're, how we, we experiencing them. And that's why you have to, I always, because I, I, I get accused of everything, you know, typically. So I just, I'm very used to just deflecting going, now nah, I'm sorry, you go talk with someone else. That's not what I'm interested. Let's talk about um, whether or not there is an attack because that's really what is, yeah. is being overlooked, you know? And again, it's just, you, and, and if someone is out there who's skeptical, who isn't a victim of the propaganda, someone who's, who's you know, moving into the light, believe me, you'll connect with them. You might lose 80% of the audience. Who cares? Right. There's nothing you can do with them. It's sort of like, what you know, like I, I get it. I mean, I've been thrown out of like Costco 15 times for not wearing <laughs> a mask. I don't care. Throw me out 20 times. I don't care. It, it's just, you always have to have that, you know, kind of stubbornness about, I, I'm sorry, you can just go talk with someone else. I know that the audience, a lot of these people will look at me as a trend, as a transphobic person or something. Who cares? You can't do anything with them. Let's just focus on those who can understand, on those who have walked into the light, because there are so many of us now. There's a large real fraction. I don't know what it is, 10% maybe, 15. I mean, you guys probably are better, but it's not yeah. 1% anymore. So we talk when we talk to them. We talk without intimidation because we know they, the people who we can actually connect to in the heart and Socratically, they're not going to be looking to like find a way to, you know, hate us or to find ways to intimidate us so we can't talk or think. You know, they want us to talk. They want to communicate with us because we we all want to walk into the light. And we all and we all of us need every one of us to walk into the light together you know we're either going to make it as a group or we ain't going to make it brothers that's yeah. how it is yeah. so I that's what I, when I when i talk whenever i talk i just talk like i know that most people most probably still just going to hate hate me for this because their minds are shot but i know that some won't so i just talk to them you know i just yeah. talk to them right. and that's what i mean I do. There, there is a there is a, a hopeful we can i think we can find hope in quite a lot of things and i think you're right joe there's a lot more people out there than we I mean, part of the control mechanism, isn't it, is to make us feel like people that are questioning the narrative is to make them make you feel isolated. Definitely. To, to, to wear down your will. You know, that's part of I, it. I but often it, wonder if people wouldn't come out of the woodwork. Like if people were really honest. I mean, Ian, and not to interrupt you, but um, even in your book, some conspiracies, the JFK assassination, I think well over 50% question the official narrative on that one and even 9-11 is you know there's there's dozens and dozens of percentage points maybe maybe close to 50 percent that doubt the official narrative and it's just like they make us feel isolated it's such an important point i, I wonder if you know it's joe like what you were talking about that when you when you're not engaged in dialogue and healthy constructive dialogue what we find ourselves in with these people that want to call us transphobic or racist or all of these terms to shut us down this is gaslighting and it's actually emotional abuse i mean it, it's just like we don't deserve to be treated like that just because we're skeptical of these of these official narratives so um, anyway, it's interesting and uh, go on Ian, but I just wanted to point out that, that again, some conspiracies are really actually wildly popular and it could be that there are way more of us out there than we know. They're just afraid to speak out. 
Well, I think that, that this bit, what happened was there was a report put out earlier today. Again, it was in the, in the uh, I think it was in the Times or the Telegraph or something like that. Um, and they're reporting that something like, the, they, they started the, the jab rollout with children uh, from five and upwards, five to 11, uh, about three or four months ago, or a couple of months ago. The uptake so far, and they were complaining about it, obviously, but the uptake so far is twenty percent. Yeah. Right. So when so when parents parents might have been willing to take the jab, but when they were confronted, that's what that says to me is when they were confronted with jabbing their own children, only twenty percent of them were willing to do it so far, and that's just that, and that that is with the massive propaganda that has been thrown at parents to try and get their kids when they're faced with it when they and i, I was interested in something that uh, we we discussed it didn't we about something john titus said is when you're when you're faced with hardship with with real real you know choices people suddenly are far more cautious and far more aware of risks and far more circumspect about how they're going to act and that certainly seems to be the case when it comes to injecting our children. Yeah. yeah. That suddenly, suddenly would, propaganda doesn't work anymore, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I, I would add, right, that there's a definite similarity between what's happened with the selling of the RM and RNA synthetic biology, making it seem as a vaccine, directly linking to what transsexualism is. Because what they're being told it is in schools is not what it is. So... There's two different versions of transhumanism going on here. We've got somebody injecting something that alters your DNA, right, or possibly can, that contains ingredients even the doctors don't even know what's in it. But it can lead, it may well lead to the uh, normalisation of having to take uh, mandated uh, things that change your body from the inside, which is exactly the same as teaching children as young as five that they can decide what sexuality they want to be and change their body. Yeah. This is all about control over your body, isn't it? This is about sort of learning how to develop in a way that relies on the state to tell you how and what you should be and what your identity is. So basically, if you boil it all down to identity, that's what it's all about. It's about state control over identity. Mm, yeah. <laughs> it's just incredible. Yeah. It's yeah. transhumanism. And that's what transhumanism ultimately is. It's controlling the identity of humans. I got to tell this story about this, uh, the trans, the, uh, the transsexual and how now it's become such a big issue because I was, I, I was listening to Alex Jones probably at least 15 years ago. And I remember him specifically saying, they're going to start pushing this transsexual agenda. It's connected to transhumanism. And I thought, my God, Alex, you're really off your rocker on this one. That is just crazy talk. And now here we are, and it's like, oh my god! I mean, if he could predict that decades ago, you know, that's yeah, like yeah. I was not see the plan. I remember it very well. Remember it very well, mate, because um, I was looking into the management of disease back in two thousand and four, five. This was uh, avian flu was two thousand and three, sort of stuff. And there was more and more companies talking about the idea of health management mm-hmm. as an overarching thing for individual choice. And you, could see, you can see their point to a certain degree, which is it would be wonderful to know humans' own, you know, every metabolism on its own level and to treat it in a different way. Surely everybody's different. That's brilliant. Prescribe what the body needs. Yeah. That's fantastic. But, like, 
I think I think I'd rather see a, a big farmer that runs off of the idea of prevention rather than making diseases that they capitalize on. Yeah, there's an idea. They are the same companies like Syngenta, Moderna, Syngenta, and you've got like, you know, the Monsantos of the world are basically biotech. So they are actually polluting in order to create the, the cure. Sure. It's just one great big cyclic economy. It's a cyclical economy that seems to be. I mean, talk about if you go back to the, to the 60s and the 50s with William Burroughs, where he talks about the idea of, uh, you know, this is, this is Orwellian as well, you know, the idea that war is peace, like, you know, to create more, to, to, the idea of peace, we need to have constant war, an eternal war, because it generates the, the, the it grinds industry. And so what we're looking at now is we're looking at a fourth industrial revolution. Yeah. It's basically running off the same model based on just Star Trek nonsense, isn't it? And I've said this before, but it's absolute bollocks. And you look at, look at Star Trek and its generation and how absolutely boring the, 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 the culture is. I mean, even data starts to feel bored with humanity, doesn't it? I mean, right. like, yeah, they are so boring. That's, well, that's the world they want. I mean, how many... I'm going to have a rant now. I'm having a bit of a rant, right? So bear with me. How many, nice. we'll how do many it. James Bond villains do we need in one century already? It's only 2022. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, what I want to know who the PR team were that thought that Klaus Schwab was a good idea. Right. <laughs> Have you seen the sketch? Have you seen the sketch from uh, Hugh and uh, I think it's Stephen Fry and Hugh Laurie um, where they do the Nazis one? And, it, and there's all these different Nazis walk into the room. And one of them says, I am the one with the scar in the yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> says, I am the slightly kinky, pervy one that wears the leather. Yeah. And there's another, you know, this is what we're looking at. And they're just Klaus, uh, Klaus, yeah, he nails every one of those. Is this Is this like a kind of because he's so obvious. I mean, he is so obviously a Bond villain, isn't he? I mean, he's just, he's just, is he almost like, I mean, there's always that idea, isn't there? Something that I've always been fascinated with, this idea that they have to tell you, right? That they have to tell But that doesn't mean that they can't have a laugh as well, does it? Sure, sure. I mean, put, this, put this guy front and centre and put him on the stage and just, so, so for people that do question the narrative, that is that is teeth grindingly galling, isn't it? To be to be confronted with this character because you're just like, oh, I don't believe it. And then to look around you and and know that most people don't even, most people don't know who he is. You know, yeah. it is crazy how few how many people still. You know, you you mentioned the WEF and they're like, oh, conspiracy theorists. That's crazy. It's like. Go on their freaking website. Like, look at what they're saying. Like, look at what they're telling you to our faces. I mean, it's not a secret. There's no conspiracy theory here. This is right in our face. I mean, you felt Harari. I mean, just look at him. I mean, he's here. Yeah. yeah. If, if I was, if I was a Jewish person, I'd feel embarrassed. I'd, I'd be like, this person does not represent me. No. Yeah. I mean, that guy, his, the quotes that come out of his mouth about consciousness and how great it's going to be when we're all tied into the Borg and we're all yeah. just going to become part of the machine and it's just wonderful. And he gets bankrolled by these billionaires. <laughs> but, you know, just remember that it's just two sides of, uh, of, of theatrical production with the purpose of propaganda because, you know, you have the zombie movies to get us used to, you know, wanting to be able to 
easily kill neighbors that are sick and needing help, you know. But on the other side, the incrementalism with someone like Klaus Schwab, I mean, this is the the idea is, is that even though now he stands out and now we can identify him and laugh about him, um, but over time, these kinds of individuals will just become more and more and we will, the, the humanity will more and more relate to them as leaders. You know, so this is, this is they, they have, I mean, in my opinion, they are very well orchestrated and very well designed as far as how they, they bring out both, both science, different kinds of, you know, idea about science and also individuals where, you know, you couldn't have someone like Klaus Schwab. He would have been laughed out of the, the room 40 years ago, but look at like in the United States, we have a, uh, Rachel Levine, I think her name is Rachel Levine. She's a transgender woman who's uh, head of health services. I mean, this yeah, could yeah. never have been, you know, even even remotely seen as sane 50 years ago. But through incrementalism, these individuals have been slowly brought into our attention, and now right. people, they, we, our consciousnesses just succumb to them. That you know, it. So this is uh, again. Um, it's, it makes it hard to come out of the light. It's one of the, the difficult things because they've made reality so dense with these kinds of creatures that it's hard to ever go to the point where you suddenly you go, they're all fake. They're all just, you know, there to, to destroy my ability to think clearly. But that's literally what has to happen is that you have to get people to be aware of these individuals and then to see how macabre they are. Because then at that moment, they are, they are safe. They are in a skeptical point. They're capable of, you know, getting into reason and, and to not just succumbing to these people like they want us to do over the long haul. Yeah. Over the long haul, where 50 years from now, Kloss will seem normal and conservative <laughs> relative to the whoever, the, whatever kind of creature the, they the have. The new Satanist, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. a bit odd, isn't it, Joe, that... Um, that sort of like we've missed a jump, really. Sort of like the development, the idea of progress is supposed to move sort of like through sort of like the 60s, it been through the anti-war movement, through black power, through all the revolutions that we could have had. It's just been stamped on by the very people who are trying to, trying to say we're having a revolution now. I yeah. find very odd. That's, that, there's so many people that come out of the movement in the 50s and the 60s that are now so mainstream, yet also in bed with these people who seem to be, we've, we've missed a trans-normal bit. What's normal supposed to be? Because I don't believe normal exists, but I don't want to be transhuman because of it. <laughs> like, you know, this is, I mean. this, this is... Is this bit gone? The bit where humanity is supposed to develop together in, yeah. in, <laughs> in chorus with each other, well, sometimes yeah. being dissonant, sometimes being together, sometimes being a, a wonderful chorus, sometimes saying, no, but I'm allowed to feel how I feel. All of a sudden, it's just become like this multipolarized absolute nightmare to live in. You can't speak. Like, yeah. oh, I'm anti-racist, but apparently I can't be because I'm the wrong color. How can that be right? That's just not right. <laughs> it's not right, is it? Well, it is yeah. funny. Like yeah. you talk about, Joe, like people coming into reason, like becoming skeptical and then coming into reason, because that's what is, I think it's even been having this effect on me lately with this Ukraine thing and, and how crazy it's getting so crazy that it's like people need to come back to just to 
being able to think critically and using reason and, and be, I mean, everyone should be skeptical of authority. Like yeah, if yeah. you, if you're not skeptical of authority, then you're a slave. You're, you're going to be a slave. And I think we've got to talk about, Sorry, Ian. Carry on, mate. No, I'm just going to say, I think we need to we need to talk about principles. It needs to be talking yeah. talking about the the principles that we hold to be true, because I was I've been very interested by the number of voices that were speaking out about COVID mm. that that and were and were on, in my view, the right track, as as in they were questioning the validity of the whole thing from a from a, a genuinely skeptical perspective. Not necessarily saying, oh, I believe, you know, I believe this theory or I believe that theory, but just just questioning it. Yeah. Who have the the narrative is flipped onto some onto the onto the latest thing, and they've gone with it. They've 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 gone with the, the Ukraine narrative without being skeptical. Like that, they're, they're, it's like that their skepticism has vanished. Yeah. This. So so what? Was that skepticism genuine, or what? What was going on there? You know. You know. Let me say this: something I've noticed. Further, we just have to push it further. They're almost right. there. It, yeah. It's it's so interesting to me that some conspiracy theories, again, like the JFK assassination or whatever. Another thing that I've noticed is that people are willing to wake up to foreign policy corruption, and but then it's almost impossible for them to wake up to the fact that they actually are doing this domestically as well. Like, you know, people can see that what's going on in Syria, like that's clearly, you know, propaganda or the, or now even Ukraine maybe. But then when you say, and they're using the same techniques against the American people or here at home, you know, within our own country, it's just like they can't, they won't go there. So it's, it's interesting how the mind works in terms of recognizing the corruption uh, and some things are just, I guess, easier to swallow, you know, than, than other issues that people just don't want to go there. I guess it gets too dark. Think. They can't critically think, can they? You can't get to the point. If, if you take yeah. something simple like Windows 98. Now, was that made to function normally? No. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Tried it's it. got no, viruses, it, right? <laughs> it's a cluster F of, a, of, a, of an operating system. Now, the same person that did that operating system is now trying to do what? Now, look at the business model. It's about continual upgrade culture. And this is what they're trying to humanize into transhumanism. Yeah. This is continual upgrade culture. And you've got the idea of teaching kids about changing their identity at the whim, a flick of a switch, because they're going to be in the metaverse and they're just going to spray on their identity whenever they want. They're going to be able to upgrade all the time. And it's going to be... It's not only going to be you have to pay for it, it's going to be traded. These are going to be commodities. And the humans that are going to take, take part in this are going to be commodities. On yeah. top of that, as data. So you've got this kind of massive casinoification culture of, of virtual worlds happening right in front of our eyes. And nobody knows what's going on. And it's well, we're, just like, we're, just, we're just going to be meat, meat sacks, aren't we? Meat sacks that are plugged <laughs> into the that net. way. Meat puppets, yeah. Meat, meat puppets plugged into the metaverse. Yeah, yeah. So and, like, and you can't function in the real world unless you've done something in the metaverse. That's going to be the gag, isn't it? You well, know? I think I think one of the one of the things that will be the gag is when people start earning money in the metaverse. Yeah, yeah. Because when the, when, when people really start, they start thinking, "Oh, I can earn money in the metaverse. I can work. I can work in the metaverse." But I can't work in real life. 
I can earn, I can earn coin and I can live a good life in the metaverse, which I can then spend in my in my my real life. But I think I think when they introduce that, which will be, I'm pretty sure that'll be pretty pretty quick after after it's launched out, that people will be earning money, probably crypto or something like that to start with. That's already happening, isn't it? And they're all yeah. people are already using crypto for for uh, online in, in using these kind of sort of forerunners to the metaverse. But once everybody's in it... Then, yeah, UBI is going to be brought in as a sort of basic low income that's going to keep people just above the poverty level, right, that they're, yeah. going, to, they're going to make. But you see, you're going to have to upgrade. You need to upgrade. You're going to get entrance yeah. metaverse, or the which is going to be run on social credit, isn't it? You know, yeah. It's going to be green or red. You behave yourself, you get lower points. You know, it's going to be sort of like your, your credit card platinum or gold. or and, and you can see the marketing techniques that come right the way through the 20th century still being employed in the 21st for the fourth industrial revolution. These people shouldn't be in charge of this. These people should have gone a long time ago. And the fact that they're in charge of it means it's a bad idea. And if we stopped, if we just stopped and got these people's ideas out of the way, it might have a chance. But as it stands... Not to be anti-technology, I think that, that we could we could progress as a humanity without destroying humanity because we don't need the old systems running this. We need to completely change the way we are as a human species. Right. It's running off of a, off of, off of a mafia-based corrupt system. It's just wrong. So you know, there you go. Rant again. Oh, rant, rant, rant. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Really, really good points. And I mean, I I would just note that the metaverse is just a transition to oblivion because the oligarchs aren't going to keep us uh, as devices that just sit there in an amused state without producing anything. I mean, the whole reason for the metaverse is to distract us so completely we don't know we're being genocided. Yeah, I, you know, it does seem like we have to wonder, like, what is the real big picture here? I mean, they're building, one of the things that the light bulb came out in my mind about this transition, this fourth industrial revolution is that the the 5G networks allow for robot-to-robot -robot communication. And so once they have teams of robots that can do all the labor, then they don't need us anymore, no, right? Exactly. I mean, and so this is what's happening. I mean, they're culling parts of the population uh, and then moving us on to the metaverse so that we can just sit on our computers all day. But yeah, Joe, I mean, I think we have to ask George, ourselves- that's, I mean, believe me, if you've looked at the Georgia Guidestones, yeah. which talks about 500 million people and as being the, the cap of humanity, um, I know about ancient languages, and I can guarantee you that that, that device could not have been put together by <laughs> a group, a fraternity or something. I mean, this was huge, huge kind of effort to get that all those languages and get the translation right. It's just incredible what they were able to do there. And so... This is a serious, um, we should take it as a serious uh, description of what they have in mind for us, which is to say we're being genocided. I mean, yeah. I just think that's, and so if you look, if you look through the, that lens into what's going on, everything I think makes really good sense. The metaverse is a distraction. The vaccine is uh, to destroy the immune system. The Ukrainian war with the sanctions are to get rid of the food and the energy. And so now you're into a very dark winter, which they all an expression they always use to describe the process, which 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 normalizes us and makes us able to accept it without rebellion. Um, 
where we're just being genocided. Yeah. Um, so this, unfortunately, I've been I've called this actually. They they they're trying to genocide us. What they're really going to end up with, in my opinion, is a purification, where they're going to get rid of eighty percent of us, but the twenty percent that remains are going to be aware of what happened. And those who lost family members through the vaccine and through the starvation will be ready to fight. Because as we are now, we've been distracted by the culture, by all the creature comforts, by the inability to, to need to be heroic, uh, to defend you know, our families and our ethnicities and ourselves. Well, that's all going to change. The purification is happening. I mean, yeah. th there's really nothing that can... They can't. They can't possibly stop it at this point. The independent media is just is not going to disappear. The people who are completely in the light are not going to go back. Yeah, there's a lot in transition, but the ones that are there are just. And there's just tons of us. So, I mean, it's game on, guys. It's going to be a real fight in the future. Um, and I don't think it's going to be in like a hundred years. I mean, I think you're, you'll see that uh, in ten years the battle will be raging because yeah. they will they will have gotten rid of as many as they can easily. And the rest will be a much tougher group, more aware, more willing to fight. And who knows what kind of compromises can be actually achieved and what sort of culture can come out of this. But all I, all I know is, is we need information for the public as quickly as we can get it. And we need to prepare to fight and to survive. You know, I mean, it's like, I know people that aren't even, uh, thinking about having any kind of food supplies. Yeah, I go really. E even though there's so many, there's so much news about food shortages coming. Well, what are you going to eat if you don't have any? You know, it, it just. But the, this is the purification. The ones that that understand how dangerous the situation is are preparing, and those that aren't, they they. they I mean, we love them, but there's nothing we can do. We cannot waste time just constantly trying to get people to move into the light. Who aren't ready there's there's just nothing we can do about it so we just have to talk to those who understand and prepare as best we can um uh, for you know what is in front of us yeah fighting for human sentience i believe i think mm. we're fighting for our very right to think for ourselves and feel for ourselves Absolutely. and care in a communal way as a human species and i think that's 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 what we're looking at um yeah man. yeah well said well said that's that's kind of what i feel too yeah yeah Great. Well, and it is fascinating that it's the time frame has moved up. I mean, pre-COVID, I felt like all these conversations were so theoretical. And then COVID started happening. I was like, what is this? I mean, clearly a major operation is going on. And then you start hearing these. I mean, it's Agenda 2030 is real. Like these guys have a timeline and they're, you know, they're looking to implement these things. They've got goals set for 2025, 2030. By 2030, that's the, uh, we're all going to own nothing and, and be happy, right? I mean, this, this is this is the goal. So the next 10 years, you know, it appears but, like yeah, it's going to be if you, if you look at the If you look at the kind of economic kind of transition that they're looking towards in terms of the idea of kind of, of, of monetizing or commodifying nature and, and transitioning away from kind of, uh, energy as a commodity in terms of oil and gas and and so forth and more towards service a service based kind of economic economic basis 
as in, you know, for example, a forest wouldn't be a forest, it would be a carbon sequestration service that you can own the rights to. So you can trade, you can trade the rights, which is exactly exactly what you were saying, Paul. It's about this kind of licensing of life itself. Well, arguably, if people have been have got uh, 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 patented DNA in them, then who owns them? Yeah. Who, well, that's, who, that be the oh, case that's now. a crazy conversation. Yeah. Now at the moment, yeah, it could be the case. Yeah. I mean, so, in eighty-eight, a law was was actually drawn up about cDNA, which is copy DNA, and with the PCR tests, what that how they work with the. Uh, um, Reverse transcript uh, PCR tests is what they do is they take your RNA, then they transcript it to a DNA, but in order to amplify it to get any any kind of results is they make copy DNA. And that was mm. seen in law as not being usable. You can't attribute that copy, that copy DNA to a human being's identity. It's against the law in America. I don't know what the Commonwealth countries, now it might be worth you checking this out in. How do the mm. Commonwealth countries treat, treat cDNA? Because I'll bet you that New Zealand, Canada, and Britain and Australia ain't got the same laws as America. Yeah, and that's why no, we've seen such a push. That's why we've seen such a push, and I believe that they're making DNA databases with that information as well. It's you been know, a, it's been amazing to see how yeah. hammered those guys have gotten in Canada and Australia and New Zealand. And then another thing, actually, maybe we can discuss this for a second. I've noticed like things like China, what's happening in China, where they went into a full lockdown again. Right. I mean, now it's not it's like they pushed certain countries as far as they could go. And then now they're you know, they're they're letting back or they're switching the narrative. We're all talking about Ukraine here in the United States, where we all still have quite a few guns they can only push so hard they were able to push harder in australia and canada uh and they're still pushing and then in china like they're having a total other lockdown but what's funny to me is that in the propaganda in the united states they're not even talking about like is there a is there a sixth wave happening in china like if it's happening in china shouldn't it be happening here too isn't this a worldwide pandemic it's just so funny to me that they can they can so clearly like target specific populations and they can turn the dial and amp it up, you know, oh, in China, we're going to amp COVID up to, to 11, you know, and in the United States, we're going to turn it down to two for a little while and we're going to turn the Ukraine dial up. I mean, it's just so wild to me, considering that the pandemic is supposed to be this worldwide event. Like if it's a huge deal in China, you'd think that Americans could kind of like or, you know, people outside of China or whatever, they could figure it out when the way it's just so it's just so strange that Canada, you know, right now can uh, continue uh, to make a big deal out of it. I mean, uh, are you noticing that the, the China thing is all over the social media, that we're being allowed to see what's happening yeah. in China, that we're being allowed to see people mm -hmm. jumping off the roofs, that those people on those social media accounts aren't being locked up by a Chinese totalitarian state. They're letting you see it. Joe, you might be interested in this because obviously you're saying this is a movie. They tell you what they want you to see. They show you what they want. To, they want to show you Chinese people being in compliance as a warning to the rest of the world. If you don't behave yourself, this is going to happen to you. Right. They let you see what's happening in China because they're showing you the power of, of what is possible. Because there's no, I mean, I've talked to people and they're saying, you know, this can't be real. This is some sort of movie set or something, you know, just like when they were falling over originally in 2020. Right. No, no doubt it's real. But why are they showing us? Wouldn't, a China, wouldn't China be embarrassed to show that? 
Well, I mean, they, you've got the thing. Sorry, sorry, Joe, if I've, I've, I've jumped in oh, there. You, when, when they, if, uh, if you cast your mind back to when we were first being primed for COVID, mm. one of the first things that alerted me to something's not right is when the, the, the Western media and the Western and social media were just showing all these images of people keeling over in the streets yeah. in China. One, yeah. China does have an effective firewall around its own country. If it, if, it, if it wants to stop information getting out, it can and it does. There are, there are plenty of dissidents in China that have been wiped off the face of the earth sure. that nobody knows about in the West. What's happened, so they're priming you with that imagery. They're priming us to, to believe in this dangerous pathogen. Mm. Now, I, I absolutely agree with you, Paul. What They're priming us for something else. Now, when I saw, I saw the, um, you know, the men in the white suits herding people like cattle into the, in, and, cl- and shutting them in their door, what that said to me was, you 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 were fearing a disease. You've, you we've done with that. You, you don't have to fear the disease now. Now you have to fear the government. Yeah. So you, you we've done that. You're you're frightened of the disease, but on the back of that, you need to understand that we are taking this seriously. So you need to fear us now. That's what I thought they were priming us for. Yeah, yeah, makes perfect sense. Yeah, but on biosecurity, state global. Um, you know, uh, the next step is worrying. I mean, we, we're looking at hepatitis uh, outbreaks in the kids now, and we're looking at full-blown immune uh, vaccine-acquired immune syndromes being uh, actually probably coming out in the next probably five years. We're going to see a lot sure. of people. I believe. I believe Joe's right. Um, yeah. I mean, Naomi uh, Wolf was saying about the the different vaccine contents and the different delivery methods. Uh, you know, you've got that vaccines with three different uh, dosages just handed out in different groups. And it looks like that looks very, very Nazi to me. It looks like, well, well, well you know, surely, uh, you know, are they testing this out on geo- geographical zones? Are they testing this out on certain ages? Are they testing this out? This is well, real. It yeah. was interesting. I mean, when the, I don't know if you guys probably saw the, the, the statistics by batch that were coming out and certain batches were, were more deadly than other batches. And it literally looked like they were experimenting with whatever their, you know, their, their recipe in these batches and figuring out exactly how many people, you know, they were taking out with each kind of uh, tweak of the recipe. I mean, is that's, I mean, it all goes to your argument, Joe. Yeah. The the genocide has a progress, which, um, enables them to um, boil the frog slowly so that there is never so much death that, uh, you know, it can't be yeah. explained away, but they're just steadily moving us, you know, to accept more and more. I mean, like they have, they normalize now children having strokes and heart attacks. I don't know if you've been seeing any of the advertising they're doing about this. So they normalize the genocide so that our minds don't rebel against it. Yeah. It's all nonsense. Every, anyone who is in the light can understand this. And I would just say one thing. They have reached a point of diminishing returns. I, I always mention this, that now there is enough skepticism um, that in order to try to drive people into more you know, debased intellectual forms where they, they think worse, 
they end up actually creating more skeptics because the the propaganda is so ham-handed. Um, I it hasn't it, it certainly got to that point with COVID where um, it it what their their attempts to to use it to further enslave people's minds it just stopped uh, working and I thought it was it was diminishing returns and, and propaganda yeah. was off. But we haven't got there yet with Ukraine. This is why hopefully we that can be that corner can be turned quickly where they get we get them to diminishing returns where all of the nonsense, all of the propaganda, um, and just all it does is create more skeptics because we they what they're doing, what they're exposing is themselves. They aren't really conditioning more people. Right. I mean, what about the the horse dewormer campaign. Once it once they started calling ivermectin a horse dewormer, I was just like, come on, you know, you can't, that's just obviously way over the top. I mean, that's not a scientific argument, you know, that's not yeah. even spreading Fauci's lies or whatever. This is just a slander campaign that is anyone with half a brain cell can figure this one out. Guys, I have to go. It's 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 like oh. I have to be somewhere uh, in a, and I'm late as it is, but I really okay. enjoyed the discussion. I hope we can do it again. I think yeah. to me, this is exactly what people should be doing. I really enjoyed it, and I hope that uh, we, oh, we are thanks. able to get thanks. back together again. Yeah, thanks, thanks. We'll put you on the list, right. Joe. We're just think yeah, we're just kind of having a round. Again. All right. Bye bye. Okay. Really nice to meet you, mate. Yep. Thanks. All right, cool. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know how long. Uh, I don't think I was specific as to how long we could go, and I've just been enjoying the conversation. So, yeah. oh, right. are you all right to carry on for a bit, Ian, or have you got things to do? What's, what's no, this? I'm all right, mate. I mean, I've, I've, I need a, the, 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 I was very hesitant when I, when I started doing interviews because I haven't been doing them very long. I mean, and, and talking on video. I mean, I, I'm a writer, really. I mean, I don't. I say I get a bit tongue tied sometimes, and it's it's taking me a while to kind of try and relax and just be a bit more. I've, I've but yeah, I, I find this a bit of a relief actually because because yeah. uh, it's because you know when you are stuck into this information, as you you guys well know, and I know Paul, you are. I mean, your research is just. <laughs> wow. He's been at it for such wow. a long time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 amazing. I mean, it's a fantastic resource that you put together there, Paul. I really appreciate it. So you know, it's uh, you know, it's something that I delve into quite a lot. You know, so so uh, you know what it's like. You know, you just you're just plugging away, trying to make sense of this stuff, and it does, and it is grinding, isn't it? I mean, you do kind. I mean, we were talking, Doug, weren't we, the other day that how much. We just wish none of this was true, <laughs> right? <laughs> why, why does it? Why does it have to be like this? Because I think I think all of us talking, and you know, and I and Joe as well, it seems to be coming from the same place. We're all coming up, and maybe this is the thing. Maybe this is the difference. People, some people seem to be coming at this from a humanist point of view. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's whether there's, I'm not talking about it in a in a faith sense. I mean from a genuine human point of view, you know? So we're kind of like, we're, we're, we we don't want humanity or our, obviously we don't want our friends and other people to suffer, but we don't want humanity to suffer. We just don't want that. We could, we see something better. Right. And I think, so it's quite ironic, isn't it? That we get called cynical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So well, we're the cynical ones, are we? No, not really. You know, I mean, I don't know. Well, I mean, it is, I think so much of what 
is happening inside the the normal the normie mind if you will i mean they, it gets projected onto us when we you know when we knock on that door of their cognitive dissonance and and uh it's it it is tends to be a little bit of a heavy burden actually i i'm glad to talk to joe because he's so optimistic right now actually which is almost crazy because he goes you know he, he's not afraid to talk about full-on genocide and what's happening right now and you know, I think he's expecting millions and millions of people uh, this thing to really amp up and and a lot of people to start dying. Uh, and yet at the flip side, he can be so optimistic that, you know, mm-hmm. there's enough people that didn't get the vaccine or there's enough people who are skeptical um, that humanity that we're going to win this, you know, <laughs> yeah. well, it's yeah. obvious. I mean, like right. great cool, reset. you're going to have a reset. Right. And you're going to just like reset the planet. Oh, well, we might as well just starve a few million, you know, and, and we'll give a few million a disease. But the disease will come from the starvation. And, and and so they've got it planned, but they've kind of dressed it up in all this lovely language, haven't they? You know, this kind of, uh, you know, I, I wonder how the WF will promote the sort of like Auschwitz, really. It's sort of like the <laughs> right. it'll be It'll be something like the industrialization of depopulation, you know, just to make it nice, you know. Well, it'll be the same way as last time, wouldn't it? You know, it'll be it'll be it'll be for your own benefit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That I mean they're all that's all they're already that's already the, the 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 way that this is being sold, isn't it? I mean that's that's what the Chinese stormtroopers were saying when they were banging people up in, in, in Shanghai that this is for your good, it's for your own benefit, it's for the public good. You know, it's you will own nothing, you will own nothing, right? And you will be happy. I love that. You will yeah. own nothing, which is like that's really dark. Because uh, you know, I like to think I own my own own identity, and I own my own sentience, and I own my yeah. own. You know, <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. So if you own nothing, <laughs> so that's the ultimate slave, isn't it? You don't even own yourself. That's what we're talking yeah. about yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. This is a slave system, and and so coded in lovely PR, though, isn't it? That's right. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like saying, is it? If you go to the World Economic Forum's website. I mean, saying about, yeah, yes, you're absolutely right, Doug. I mean, all the documents are there. You can read what they're saying, but my God, you don't have to have to wade through some word salad. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's just horrendous. Well, what's and the irony to me, I don't even know how to kind of explain this. I feel like what if you call them, call it the dark side, the, the machine consciousness, these transhumanist guys, like they've managed to to steal the language like on the surface it it looks the same it looks like i mean i i'm into sustainability i'm into inclusivity you know i'm into all of the things that they're talking about and it's like how do you how can you parse you know the difference between an authentic person who's just a good person and then this like twisted language that's uses the same language on the surface but it's all ultimately it's all bullshit and you have to be able to you know you have to have that bullshit filter on i guess and you have to really be able to tell the difference and a lot of people get fooled it's a bunch of neo uh, fascist technocrats right selling you your own real estate it, right. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, like, they're like a cross between jehovah's witnesses and contrepreneurs they're con people they're selling you what you already own 
Yeah, 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 yeah. And then they're going to take it from you, and then they're going to colonize everything. It's just unbelievable, isn't it? Well, that that is literally that is literally what they're talking about in terms of what I've I've written about the global commons. That these this is this is the world we live in. I mean, I you know, I mean, I I think we don't own it, but but it's 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 the world that we share, and they're going. And they they have decided, right? Not only do we have dominion over it, right? That's the first thing. We have dominion over it, so we have got the right to divide it up into services, right? Right. All of a sudden, and we are going to sell you those services. We're going to create these services out of nothing. It's stuff that you, or you know, like the air that you breathe. The air that you breathe, you're not going to. That's not going to be your air anymore. That's going to be a, a right. A, atmospheric service so we're gonna we're gonna sell you the app we're gonna sell you the atmospheric service you have to pay for that you know we you know if you drink water at the moment you know you well obviously we already pay for it already but i mean even things like water sources i mean that that water sources are going to be the people i don't think people have got their heads around the global commons thing yeah they are seriously proposing that they can commodify a water source in a you know a mountain in the Himalayas, and say that right from now on um, this water source is a water water you know for a human settlement. This is a human settlement service uh, that we own the rights to. Therefore, if you want to drink water, which is kind of necessary, yeah, you'll have to pay us for it. And then, and we and we'll be able to do that. We'll be able to take that at source because we're only going to pay you in CBDC. So it's not like you have to worry your pretty little head about it. We'll just skim off the CBDC that we want and enrich ourselves, and we'll have a wonderful life. I I do. I, it's very difficult as a, as a, I would suggest as a kind of normal human being. I hate that term normal, but you know what I mean—a living, breathing soul—to <laughs> put to put your to put your mind in in where these people are coming from. Well, why? Why would they want to do any of this? You know, even if you look at eugenics and you look at the history of that movement and you look at, you know, the kind of warped, screwed up mentality that these people have got, the, the, the place that they're coming from, even then, you just think, how have you come to this point? Yeah. I've, a lot often, honestly, I look, I, I think about them, and I think, I feel not. Yeah, I do feel sorry for them. I feel sorry for them. I think, Jesus Christ, your life is shit. They have to be hurt. I mean, traumatized, hurt people. To I mean, <laughs> because what kind of person does it take? You, you you have to have no soul to want to mechanize the entire human race to create the Borg to enslave the world to commodify every inch of nature. I mean. Yeah, I think I think abandonment issues, haven't they? They really have. I mean, I think this is all to do with the class and how they were brought up. At school, yeah. private schools have been taken away from loving parents, or or been surrounded by parents that don't really want them. Have got maids for them and don't spend any time with them. Um, we've got an entire class of people who have, who basically populated the political class who are, are, are sociopaths, aren't they? They they don't know how to, what a loving relationship is. But look at it. Um, you know, we, we all try. <laughs> We're all products of our environment, aren't we? You know, mm. and it's it's funny with the, the, the super rich. There's, there's a certain amount of rich in Cyprus that I play guitar for in, in restaurants and bars, right? 
and they they really are they, they are very very strange people they've got they've got all the traps and trappings of, of what you would what you would consider the uh, the ultimate lifestyle but really there is nobody home there's uh it's they're, they're non-player characters a lot of them they just they really just are doing it for show and yeah. then when you scratch under the surface there's, there's not not a, not a lot there. It's quite sad you know do they have fun no, I don't think they do at all. I've played for them and, and they don't really seem to be. They're just smoozing, doing the right, saying the right things. It's all about order. It's all about, you know, yeah. uh, doing the right things to get to the right places. You know, it's it's that access. It's like, you know, MasterCard access. What does it do? It replaces well, cash. It gives you access. You know, just, you know, they get access. They've got access all the time I, to things. I've been thinking a lot about this concept of access because how do we change things? There's only the people that have access and it's not even access. I mean, there's one level of access to the political class. If I had a billion dollars, I could go and lobby, lobby uh, some politicians and maybe, you know, have, have access to some of those, some of that scene. But then there's another level above them of the, I mean, the people in Vanguard or BlackRock. I mean, who are these guys that are on the board of directors of these companies? These are the people that are really in control of this whole system. And how do you even get into a room with these people? I mean, how would you even know? And I think that, um, I, I think that that people want to have access to the next rung of the ladder up though. I mean, this is one of the, one of the things I've really been thinking about again, like we, we kind of touched on it earlier, but the 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 millions of people that it takes to build this transhumanist system, most of them are building their own prison. Like yeah. almost everyone, all these people that work for DARPA and develop these technologies, they're just building their own prison. And why would they want to do that? Why are they working on all of these technologies that the you know clearly the only application is to you know, plug people into the to the Borg or <laughs> I mean I, I was I was total control of humanity. It's crazy that they're they're building their own prison. I think it's just to because they they're hoping they can get access to that next rung of power, that next group of the of the cooler people, the next richest people on the on the rung of the ladder that's one rung above them, you know. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean I I, I sort of talk about you know a hierarchical compartmentalized system. So how many people that are working in DARPA? I mean, sure, if they're working in DARPA, they know what they they must know what right. what the what the end objectives are. You know, it's ultimately it's killing people, isn't it? But I mean, you know, my dad worked for the Ministry of Defence, you know, in the UK. Sure, and he wouldn't he wouldn't hurt a fly, but he was working in a job. You know, he was fixing tanks and 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 all that kind of stuff, working on sub nuclear submarine engines, that yeah. kind of thing. So. And I, I did, I, you know, I didn't really talk to him about it at the time. But I mean, he was just doing a job. He was doing the the job that he could do to feed his family, to look after us. And you know, he he didn't have an overall picture. I mean, he didn't I certainly didn't have a, a, any kind of sort of geo geopolitical kind of understanding. That weren't in his in his. He weren't interested, you know. Mm. So so, but nonetheless, he was working on weapons of mass destruction. You know, and, and and but it wasn't something that he took home with him. You know, he didn't he didn't come home worried about it. That you know, uh, you know, it just it wasn't in his. It, so I am sure yeah. that there are plenty of people that work in DARPA or work for Northrop Grumman or work for whoever Raytheon or whatever 
who are just doing a job. Sure. And they go to work, do their job, and come home, and they, they don't come home thinking, well, that missile I was working on today might kill a, you know, might blow up a wedding party tomorrow. Mm. Mm. You know, it's not in, it's not in there. It's not there. Yeah, I mean, it is fascinating. I just actually heard an interview with Eva Bartlett and another. Um, she was talking to another person. I can't remember exactly who, but they were. She, she Eva was saying she was just in Ukraine to report on what was going on there, and she actually went with uh, a delegation of other journalists. And some of these journalists, she was saying she doesn't do this very often. She likes to go off on her own, but this particular time. She went with this delegation and the other journalists, some of them were working for mainstream outlets and they would see the same thing. You know, she's looking at and she's, you know, and we know that from her independent perspective, uh, she comes out with the, a totally different narrative. But then these other journalists in the same delegation are just churning out the narrative that their boss is telling them, you know, this is the narrative we want. We're putting you on this delegation, but we want you to, you know, give us this narrative and so they're doing their jobs. And that's what she was saying. They're careerists. Like, well, this goes back to Ian. I, and I wanted to retouch on this before we wrap this up. But this idea of having principles, like, you know, so many people, I mean, and we, it, it's a system right now of economic slavery, basically. I mean, we're already, we're already there to a great extent. People have to get a job. They have to work. Um, and so they do. And they, if they have skills, then they'll get hired by these military companies let's say but it's a job they got to they got to pay their mortgage they got they want to put their kids in school i mean so they're doing their job and they and they don't even really think about the big picture but they're then they're careerists and the career is what key, is what drives them rather than the principles you know so somebody like eva has principles she's going to write a totally different story even though she's standing side by side with another person who's doing their job and somehow we got to shift our world from one of career you know to one of principle yeah but i mean yeah. like, like say um say the military didn't kill anyone would they be okay still because I think like there's different kinds of like strata in the military, like a very Masonic order, you know, and it's obviously built around that kind of idea. It's a corporation, isn't it? Really, that's what yeah. corporations come from, and, and militarization yeah. of the orders. And actually, the orders come from sort of like I wish jokes here because we could talk about religion because you've got the order of the angels, etc. It's almost like it's sure. kind of cult, cult, sort of like you know, leveling. You've got to get to the top to succeed. It's a pyramid scheme. <laughs> well, it's that hierarchy, right? That idea of hierarchy. And I, and I, you've got dehumanization in in order to to conscript people into the army and train them and dehumanize them to the point where they're killing machines. Yeah, you know, that's no good, is it? That's a cult. You well, it's it's interesting, isn't it? The way that they work with soldiers when they when soldiers are are first, um, you know, going to training. And, you, you know, I've, I've heard I had some experience of it myself. They, the idea is that they break down your personality. Break break down your personality. Just yeah. openly, openly say that we will destroy you as a personality and what we will build is a soldier or, yeah. a, you know, an airman or, a, or a, you know, Navy or whatever. So, so that, I think, you know, going back to what we were discussing earlier when Joe was here, that's what's happening to all of us now. They're, right. they're, they're, they're breaking us apart. Yes. Yeah. 
to build yeah. what they want, to build there, what, to build what they want out of us. Humanisation leads to rehumanisation. Like I said before, it's a cult agenda. It's cultic programming, cultic steering through media, but dehumanising generally just to maintain that uh, you know you need fixing because you're broken. You know yeah. why we broke you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> there yeah, was a yeah. theory that was going around at the very beginning of the whole masking thing like why are they what's the real end game what's the real reason i mean we know we're looking at the science masks don't actually stop viral spread dr fauci he must know this he's pushing it anyway what's what's the real end game and you know? the theory was that like it, it was basically a ritual that you're covering your face you're covering your identity and you're going through this ceremonial process of de-identifying so that when we take the masks off, we are literally like reborn into the new system, to the fourth industrial revolution. And that is, I mean, unfortunately, it makes a lot of sense to me that yeah. we've, we've been through this process of dehumanization so that now they can rebuild us for the new normal. Yeah. The mask, though, the mask in particular, I mean, I, I, I think there's a lot in what you've just said as well, mm -hmm. but the mask in particular is a visual prop, isn't it? Yeah, so, absolutely. So if you, if you haven't actually got a pandemic, if you can get everyone wearing masks, it's it's self, you know, it's self-referencing, isn't it? You're going to look around you and think, well, it's all you are going to start to perceive that as evidence of a pandemic because everybody's wearing masks. For sure. So it's, it's just as a very simple prop just to get people to and I and I always think another part of it as well is to get is to uh, accustom people to acting on command. So you you know that that whole thing about I can wear my mask if I go into a into a you know I have to wear a mask if I go into a supermarket but I don't have to wear a mask if I go into a bar. We had that situation in the UK, yeah. right? So, so it's it's. When do I do I put it on now or no? I take it off now. Right. <laughs> I put it on now because I'm going into a shop, but then I'm going over there later, so I will take it off there. You know, it's this. What are you doing? You you are programming people to behave yeah. on instruction, and yeah. you've got a visual too, so that people can can point to you if you're not. If you're not behaving, if you're not following the authority, and uh, so it was actually, you know, just Weird. having that, having that visual, and, and then getting the people to self police. I mean, that's the most frightening thing about the whole experience to me. Actually, is is finding out how many people were willing to essentially self pol police that the government didn't even. They just had to implement the, you know, the the rules. And then the people would self-police themselves. They would shame those that didn't follow the rules. It's odd, isn't it, though? Because, like, what we had was the war on terror, right? And the war on terror are basically anti-Islamic sort of, like, sentiment grew after 9-11 and Afghanistan started up and Iraq got invaded. And anti-Islamic sentiment started growing in the West. And we had all this nonsense about, like, you're not allowed to wear a veil and you're not allowed to wear a hijab and cover your face. And that's the, oh, no, it's terror. So you might walk in with a bomb and we want to see you if you've got a bomb and we'll have your face in that, right? So right. that's point the war on terror stopped happening because it was all right to cover your face again so you walked into a bar you've you got to cover your face but yeah. i'm carrying a bomb oh if you're carrying a bomb don't cover your face <laughs> i guess so that's <laughs> the lesson you we've learned got a bomb, if you haven't got a bomb in your backpack then you've got to cover your face okay <laughs> i was getting you know is, is the war on terror that fickle does it just stop 
when the well, WHO decided. Well, what about any of it makes sense, though, right? I mean, you know, <laughs> wear a mask when you walk into the restaurant, take it off when you sit down to eat. What was that rule that there was a rule? I don't know. What, I can't remember. I mean, I, it's difficult for me to remember all these different rules because I didn't pay attention to anything. I, right. <laughs> <laughs> like, I didn't know. I didn't, what, I didn't know why people were doing what they were doing, but I just saw them doing it, you know? But, but there was this rule that you could... Did you you had to wear a mask if you were standing up? Yeah. But, but, <laughs> but if you were sat down, I think this was in a restaurant. Yeah. So if you were stood up yeah. in a restaurant, you had to wear a mask. But if you were sat down, you didn't have to wear a yeah. mask. I was thinking, well, what's the virus doing? Is it just kind of like it's only at six foot? You know, at six foot, there's a virus. <laughs> four foot, there's no virus. I mean, it's just. Yeah. I know. I know. I it's tough. <laughs> but well, people go along with it. Yeah. And they, they've just offering conditioning, like you say, Ian, with this spy B and the behavioural insights group and that very, very worrying. That Tavistock, again, you know, just yeah, yeah. Yeah. sort of an outlayer of the Tavistock Institute and the, and the way they were set up. I mean, actually the sort of beginnings of the Tavistock, when I looked into it, I found on, on their side, it's openly out there that they were brought into being after the First World War treat shell shock victims really um and, and the victims of war and, and basically there you go it's like they've been dehumanized and they want to rehumanize them it's that whole thing you know but the Tavistock institute are in- interesting because it was jointly done with unilever uh, and, and the beginnings of the unilever brothers and the lever brothers um starting the whole idea of pleasure foods industry and the idea of workers playtime and that you know sort of the idea of pubs and not like that so you have these like you know have a little treat after work you know here's the yeah. weekend you know what yeah. I mean? That kind of thing. So that's yeah. that kind of psychosocial programming that we're seeing as a reward mechanism, you know, the, the rehumanization agenda there as well. But what's interesting to me is during COVID, there didn't seem to be many rewards. I mean, sort of like <laughs> one of the most ridiculous, I think we talked well, the first time we, we actually chatted, Doug, was about this idea that they were sort of going, if, if you uh, get your vaccine, you can get a burger. And it's sort of like, well, yeah, what, yeah. What's all that about? Like getting like shit burgers. Well, I just I thought COVID was really about pushing as hard as they could on each country, you know, until they got to that brink where it was like, okay, you know, they're not going to take any more. And then they just kind of like let off the gas pedal. Um, But it's unfortunate, you know, they they do it. It was it's like uh, Joe was saying about incrementalism. I mean, this was a great this was a huge increment. Most of the time, it's just a tiny step and they just took a a giant leap forward. And so they'll pull back a little bit. But, you know, then they'll incrementally amp it back up again next year or the next opportunity they get. And, you know, at some point, we're going to have to figure out how to stop it. COVID's over now. We'll have war. We'll have a bit of war for a bit. Then we'll have another disease. We'll have another war somewhere else. I mean, it's sort of like, what was the aim of Syria, really? You know, what's the aim of Syria to, to divert people away from Ukraine being pumped and pumped for the eventual pump and dump, which is happening now, where they're holding the, the people of Ukraine to ransom, really, aren't they? I mean, they seem to be sort of like, that seems to be a bit of a harvest time for the, for the arms industry at the moment, doesn't it? I mean, it does look very elite-driven, you know, and, and yeah. he's playing into it. It, it seems that he's playing into it with his ruble deals, you know. Ah, yeah. I, 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 um, I mean, if you look at it as a continuum, I do. I see. I see it as a, as just the next stage 
yeah. You know, so you see, you've got this, you've got uh, the COVID gets everybody accustomed to jumping through behavioural hoops, yeah. right? So COVID program sets the program going. So you are, you are, you know, and it enables them to start building the infrastructure for the biosecurity state and all that sort of stuff. So they, so it's a, it's a reason for the, for the state to start building this infrastructure. And it's a way of getting people to respond to crisis. So you, so you're, you're getting them ready to respond for crisis, but that isn't actually the crisis. This is just, this is just the training before the crisis yeah. right now you're all ready you're all trained up you're all crisis primed now we're going to have the actual crisis yeah but the actual crisis is obviously you know for the people in ukraine it's already started as a war but the crisis for the rest of us is exactly what we with joe and that we're talking about earlier it's starvation it's yeah, it's, it's energy it's it's freezing to death in the winter it's that's the crisis. Yeah. But 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 once but you've already been primed with COVID to respond as you are told to that crisis yeah. and to turn to the state to help you. So yeah. it's it's a continuum, I see it. They've installed a primer switch, haven't they? They've installed it so that they can switch it on and off with any member of the horseman of the apocalypse they want. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, guys, we we probably ought to wrap it up. It's been two hours. That was kind of my my thinking. And since we've lost Joe, yeah, um, that was amazing. It's really nice to meet you, Ian. Finally, say hello. Yeah, yeah, Joe, mate. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's good. Wonderful yeah, it's conversation. Good. We'll we'll keep you on the list, and Joe, and have you back. Um, and the we'll list. Keep, we'll keep doing it. <laughs> yep, we'll put you on the list. You're not wearing your mask. Klaus Schwab's <laughs> yeah, yeah, I said the wrong yeah. things today. I'm going to grab your name from the list. <laughs> the Klaus, I think we got to start that. The Klaus Schwab, you're naughty list. Um, and Jeff Bezos' we'll call funny it. eye. Jeff Bezos' funny eye when he came down from the space thing. When he was he got out and he had his cowboy hat on and he had his funny eye going, <laughs> That was not right. <laughs> Zuckerberg looks like an android. He is data. He's turning more into a robot. I think he's a robot. Oh, right. He, he, Zuckerberg's Elon, autistic. Elon Musk thinks he's Iron Man, but I'd really like to redo the beginning of Iron Man where like, the kids are all like, in the cinema looking going, Iron Man's brilliant, but then he wants to put a chip in your brain and they'll go, ah, run out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i i can't believe how many people on twitter are just going on about you know what how marvelous it's going to be because elon musk has come in that he elon musk yeah. the the, uh, the the absolute archetypal globalist power freak yeah right, is, is, go, is going to set people free I mean, it's just unreal. Imagine, well, imagine a man right who develops driverless cars that crash, that, yeah. create, that, that creates victims with missing arms and legs that need cyborg replacements for his fucking company. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a win-win for Elon. <laughs> wow. See my that's how my mind works, Ian. No, yeah, no. Well, it's also how mine works because I. Entirely. <laughs> it's not right, is it? I think we've, uh, I don't know. 
<laughs> they dropped us on our heads as kids. That's what it was. And we and all the better for it. <laughs> I actually yeah. That's I actually, why we woke up. I actually did get dropped on my head as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> I was, um, I was apparently my nappy was being changed, and I shot. I was all greased up, <laughs> and I shot across the table like a bar of soap and landed on my head. Apparently, that explains it. God, well, I had, <laughs> did have. I had had a quite traumatic brain injury when I was about six or seven, and I lost uh, all my uh, linguistic ability. I I couldn't recognise the symbols on the on the clock oh. and, the, and in the task. and it happened again when I was about fourteen. Uh, it was quite a radical. <laughs> All my language centres went, and I just I understand words, but I just couldn't understand what was being written down. I was in a French class, and I looked at the French book, couldn't understand it. Yeah, I'm not supposed to understand that. It's French. But looking, trying to write, trying to write a date, no. Looked at the clock. It was all like the Matrix, like Matrix symbols. It just looked really odd. Just didn't. Wow. And oh. uh, it sort of enabled me to see through a few things, I think. I saw a little a thing the other day about John Lydon. I've mm. always quite I've always quite liked John Lydon, but he he, um, he had amnesia as a child, didn't he? Yeah, and he, yeah. he had amnesia. So so I was thinking about that. So from the age to four to about eight, right? He had no memory. Mm. He didn't he didn't even know who his parents were. Huh. So imagine being a four year old child, not even knowing who your parents are. He from that he had to construct, yeah, himself. He had to construct, yeah, yeah. And I thought, and and the more I was thinking about it, the more I thought, wow, what an amazing, yeah, experience, you know, to 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 have that as your because those are your foundational years, aren't they? And I also think Ian Ian Jury as well, and and John Lloyd very similar, and um, you know, with their kind of traumas and backgrounds and. Yeah, they, they they're certainly individuals, aren't they? You know, I mean, like I'm so, talking about, we've got we've got to be able to take take control of who we are or who we want to be. We're always in constant flux, aren't we? You know, and, and uh, to to try and you know concretize us all the time, we're constantly moving in a horizontal manner towards something that we're aiming for, and it can't it can't be right what we're doing because we need to take control of our own identities. I think you know. Yeah, we need to just be, don't we? We just yeah. need to be. We don't yeah. need to become. It's actually pretty simple. <laughs> it's yeah. not necessarily easy. It's like that's William. Given Burris, the environment, mind your, own, mind your own goddamn business. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> mind their own goddamn business. <laughs> A lot of truth to that for sure. All right, guys. Well, I gotta go. Yeah. See you later, mate. But thanks Absolute for the conversation. Thanks, Ian. Yep. Yeah, it's yep. been really good. Really enjoyed it. Yeah. Likewise. Right.